Well, we saw there, didn't we, a uh, dramatic representation of the, that first morning and the empty tomb. But I wonder, what does it mean for us? What does it really, really mean for us that the tomb was empty? Well, perhaps if we think a little bit about some of the first words that Jesus spoke after his resurrection, we might get some clues. So here's a little test for you. Anybody know what the first words were that Jesus spoke when after his resurrection? Of course, you can cheat and look at your sheets if you want. <laughs> thank you, Martin. That's, thank you very much. He said, woman, why are you crying? And if you think about it, it's extraordinary, isn't it? If you think how awesome and incredible it was that Jesus had died... He'd been buried in a tomb since the Friday afternoon, and then he had risen from the dead. Why on earth didn't he say, hey Mary, look at me, I've risen from the dead? But he didn't. He said, why are you crying? He said, why are you crying? And this is the nature of Jesus. It's the nature of God. So compassionate so humble, so involved in our lives, never forcing himself on others, but just asking us why it is that our hearts are sad. Of course, the disciples, and I include Mary in that description, are devastated. They've just two days before witnessed the brutality of the flogging and the crucifixion of Jesus And now, just to add pain on top of pain, they come to anoint his body, and even his body has been taken away. Not only had Mary lost the very much alive Jesus on on the Friday, but now on the Sunday she had even lost the dead Jesus. She doesn't even have a grave where she can grieve or mourn. All the hopes and dreams of the wonderful kingdom of God she had heard Jesus talk about, have been dashed. Life must have seemed terribly bleak at that moment. Jesus, after all, had been the one who turned her life around. Two of the Gospels say that Jesus had driven seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. Now, I don't know what it's like to be possessed by seven demons, but I don't imagine it was very nice. Her life must have been transformed by Jesus in a wonderful, wonderful way. And Jesus asks her, why are you crying? And life can seem terribly bleak to us too at times. My college friend, I've mentioned before, John Fishbourne, who's on the prayer list, is dying of motor neurone disease. I played golf with him 18 months ago, and today he can't hold a toothbrush. And he's meeting the funeral directors next week, while he can still say a few words. It's really hard for his wife, Caroline, and his two children. John was very fit and active. He loved tennis and sailing and golf. He ran his own business very successfully. Well, they are all shedding a few tears at the moment. Quite a number of years ago, a fit 17-year-old girl called Joni Erickson dived into the waters of Chesapeake Bay, where she loved to swim but she hit a submerged rock and she broke her neck and she's been paralysed from the neck down for the last 36 years. 
Joni's life was devastated in a split second and she shed many tears as she struggled to come to terms with what she called her imprisonment. There are no easy answers to suffering, but in Jesus we have a God who went through the worst suffering imaginable and when he rose again, his first concern, born of his love for each and every one of us, was, why are you crying? And in truth, we all have reasons to weep. I want to cry sometimes when I feel I've been misunderstood or when I know I've hurt someone. Didn't mean to, but I can see the pain I've caused. And so often I try to put it right in my own strength. But the amazing love of the risen Christ is that even when we don't recognize his presence, he invites us to share our pain with him. Why are you crying, he asks. The second thing that Jesus says after his resurrection is, who are you looking for? Once again, his question is startling. She has already said, Mary, that she is crying because her Lord has been taken away. So it's a penetrating question. It's also perhaps one of the best questions that we can allow him to ask of us. Who are we looking for? What are we seeking in life? Where is our journey leading us? After Joni Erickson's accident, she started asking a lot of questions. Could she ever be happy again? Could she ever be of use to anyone? And although she was a person of faith, her search for answers drove her deeper into Scripture and deeper into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And she started to explore new possibilities. One was painting. She found that by holding a paintbrush in her teeth, with practice, she could produce beautiful pictures. One of the reasons we're planning to start an Alpha course later this year is to provide a place where people can come and ask those big questions of life. Who are we looking for? What are we looking for? What is the meaning of life if this life is not the end? And those are the kinds of questions that I was asking just 12 years ago. At that time, a bit like Mary, I suppose, I certainly didn't recognize the resurrected Jesus. I had been brought up as a child going to church and I'd probably absorbed some of the Bible stories at Sunday school, but I did not have a clue how or where to look for Jesus. I didn't even know you could. I thought he was dead and gone, just like Mary did. But what I did find over time was that, is that if we're serious about wanting answers, Jesus will reveal himself to us. Mary wanted answers desperately. Tell me where you've put him, she said, and I will take him away. Mary so wanted to be reunited with Jesus that she will do anything to get him back. And so Jesus speaks for the third time. And this time, he reveals that he knows her. Mary, he says. I think one of the defining moments of the spiritual journey is the point where we realize for the first time that we are known personally 
by God, the creator of the universe. It changes everything. It happened to me in March of 2000 in a little church out in the bush in South Africa, somewhere near the Botswana border, that God surprised me, perhaps a little bit like he surprised Mary on that first Easter morning. I cried that morning for the first time probably in 20 years, not because I was sad, but because I was so full of joy. And I knew that nothing would ever be the same again. For Joni Erickson, one thing that always bothered her was that when she went to church, at a certain point in the church service, the priest asked everyone to kneel, which drove home the fact that she couldn't. But one day she was at a Christian conference, and during a time of worship, the speaker asked everyone to get down on their knees and pray. And of course, everyone did, except Joni. She says, With everyone kneeling, I certainly stood out, and I couldn't stop the tears. But this time, it wasn't because of self-pity. I was crying because the sight of hundreds of people on their knees before God was so beautiful, a picture of heaven. Sitting there, I was reminded that in heaven I will be free to jump, to dance, to kick and to do aerobics, but the first thing I plan to do on my resurrected legs is to drop onto grateful, glorified knees and kneel at the feet of Jesus. Joni went on to get married, to write books, to inspire thousands of people in similar situations to herself, that tragedies like hers are not the end. Just as the resurrected Jesus brought joy and hope into the hearts of the grief-stricken followers, so he brought joy and hope back into her life and through her story to countless others. Through her faith in Jesus, her life was resurrected just as surely as our Lord's was on that first Easter morning. And Jesus did just the same for Mary. In the extraordinary events of that morning, in his meeting with Mary near the tomb, he not only restored her hope, but through her, he forever lifted the standing of women in the eyes of the fledgling Christian community. Because after he spoke with Mary, he sent her to be the first witness of the resurrection. She has been called the Apostle to the Apostles. And it's one of the strongest reasons, actually, why we should believe in the Gospel accounts. You see, in the culture of Jesus' day, the word of a woman was insufficient evidence to be believed. Women couldn't even testify in a court of law. That was the culture. Celsus, a Greek philosopher, wrote that Christianity can't be true because the written accounts of the resurrection are based on the testimony of women. Somewhat politically incorrect in this day and age. But do you see what that means? What it means is that if the gospel writers were to make up these stories to get their movement off the ground, the very last thing in the world they would have done would have been to write these women into the positions of being the first eyewitnesses to Jesus' empty tomb. In terms of believability, it would have been suicidal. So the only possible reason for the presence of Mary and the other women in these accounts is that they really were there and they really did report what they saw. 
It's hard to imagine, isn't it, that so much could come out of a short conversation with Jesus. With two short questions and then calling her name, Jesus restores her faith, he puts hope back in her heart, he lifts the status of countless women for all time by her witness, and he provides us with the strongest reassurance of the truth of the resurrection accounts. Quite a conversation, wasn't it? And what about my friend John, who's dying of motor neuron disease? I can pray for him. I can pray for his healing. But perhaps the greatest prayer I can pray for him is that, like Mary in the garden by the tomb, he will recognize the risen Jesus coming alongside him, asking him who he is looking for and hearing him call his name. Because we know that because Jesus has risen, so will we. And in the end, we all die. And ultimate healing and resurrection comes only after we've passed from this life into the new heaven and earth. The great news of the Christian faith for us today is that we can look beyond the cross to the resurrection. And as we do, we can start to live those resurrection lives right now here on earth in 2012 with faith and with lives full of hope. Amen.